It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. Episode 268, The Temptation of Jesus. In this account, The Temptation, we see Jesus, God himself in the flesh, confronting the devil, Lucifer, the fallen archangel, in a temptation showdown. It's as if there was a moment set aside in history where angels, heavenly and fallen, watched from the sidelines as Jesus was tempted by the devil. It was... In this moment that the devil desired to destroy another Adam and keep his authority. So let's get the rules of engagement out of the way. The devil knows who Jesus is. He's seen the dove, heard the voice of God, and he's watched from afar and knows the prophecies. It's obvious for the devil says, if you are the son of God, in one of the temptations. So the devil must have been floored that Jesus was God in the flesh walking amongst men. He figured he would master Jesus like everyone else, like he did Adam with the temptation, with his lies and deceit. That was his modus operandi. That was his um, operational procedures. It's what worked with every human being. And here's God in the form of a human. And he's going to go about it the way he does with all of humans. So it's fascinating as we learn our enemy of our souls and his tactics that he used with Jesus. And then it's more fascinating when we see how Jesus rebuked the devil. Jesus must have known this is coming. And he would have been preparing his whole life for it, you know, per se. Uh, For it declares that the Spirit led him into the wilderness to fast and to be tempted. It's really crazy when you think about the, the Spirit led him to this temptation. It wasn't necessarily a temptation as we think of temptations. It wasn't like God leading him into a place to be tempted. Instead, it was like more like a spiritual showdown. And though one would expect the fasting to be very difficult for Jesus, and and it was, um, well, at least it is for every human, um, but at the point of the, the end of his fast, he was dead to his flesh. And all that really had to remain was just his spirit man, even keeping him alive after 40 days of fasting. Survival was only available in the spirit. Thus, we have to understand that he was completely in the spirit. Uh, though he was, you know, still complicated again, right? Because Jesus is fully God and fully man. Also, there's a parallel here to Elijah and Moses, uh, for they both fasted for 40 days. Uh, So we have this account in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Mark is super limited and will only shift to Luke once uh, to when you get a tad more detail on one of the temptations. So most of everything's in Matthew. All right, here we go. Matthew 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, and after fasting 40 days and 40 nights. 
So isn't that something? Forty days. I, I fasted. You, you guys, you're a Christian, and you probably fasted plenty. Uh, but forty days. Wow. And technically, if Jesus didn't eat or drink for forty days, he was pretty much sustained by the Holy Spirit alone. And being sustained by the Spirit makes one dependent upon the Spirit. Physically weak, but spiritually strong, is Jesus at this moment. Now, the first temptation, the flesh or the provision test, the physical temptation. I find it super interesting how the devil didn't attack Jesus. It wasn't a, uh, you know, him coming at him with some weapon or something. Instead, it was a temptation. The devil understands the law. He desires a legal victory, which he can receive through sin. That's the rules of engagement. So sin is legal permission for the enemy to come into our life. And that's the kind of the scary part about the Christian life um, is once you sin, you are walking in the the flesh per se, like Romans 8, right? So you, you're walking in the flesh, then you're walking in the sin in alignment with the enemy. You're walking in the spirit, you're walking in line and step in purity with Jesus. The devil desired a legal victory, such as the one he received when Adam sinned. He cared more about spiritual authority, which he knew he would get through a trick to make Jesus sin. Matthew 4, 2. Jesus was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus' response was Deuteronomy 8.3. Boom, devil. This is clearly not what Adam and Eve did. Word for word, the te- this temptation mirrored the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This time it was food as well, and Jesus' reply was almost clever. The word himself replied, Man should not live on bread alone, but every word of God. Boom. Jesus, God in the flesh, the creator of life and food itself, the bread of life, the man in the wilderness, the multiplier of food, rebukes the devil. Victory goes to Jesus. The second temptation, the protection test or the religious test. Matthew 4, 5. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him standing on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up on their hands, so that you you shall not strike your foot against a stone. All right, these next two temptations freak me out because it says that Jesus was taken by the devil to a different place. How does this happen? I have no idea. Like Maybe he gave him a vision or a temptation was a trance or it was all in his mind as an inner vision or he took him there, which is hard one to fathom. It's hard to understand, but we do know Solomon asked for wisdom in a dream. It was, I will just say, these are spiritual temptations. How he gets there and how he sees them, I don't understand. It's a spiritual temptation, not a physical temptation. It's still a, you know, physical, you know, as a bowing your knee to something. But the the revelation, how he's speaking is almost in the spirit. It's done in the spirit like a dream or a vision or something like that. The first one was physical and enough for most of man, but the next two are deep spiritual temptations. The tallest building in the land was the temple. 
um, or at least in its location, and it was on the city wall. And this most likely occurred at the pinnacle of the temple and probably at the pinnacle temple complex's southeast corner overlooking the Kidron Valley, a leap which would kill any man. Also, can you believe that the devil actually quotes Psalm 91 to tempt Jesus? It's scary to think the devil knows the word, though he doesn't obey it. In fact, he knows the legal code quite well because he's always trying to trick people. And the fact that he knows the Bible tells you that he can really work um, through religious people, which is a scary thing. Jesus replies with Deuteronomy 6, 16. Jesus answered them, It is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And I'm starting to think I should read Deuteronomy again after saying this. Jesus makes this look pretty easy, but we can't forget this is the deceiver of people's souls. He's tricked millions over the years into sin, and he's blinded even more to the reality of Christ. He's blinded so many with pride and greed and deceptive power. He's blinded so many with witchcraft and subtle deception like the original sin. Paul speaks to the devil's deception in 1 Corinthians 11:14, And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. This is scary, for even the devil can masquerade um, as a, a good angel, or even the angel of the Lord. After all, he knows the Bible and even has the gall to use Psalm 91 the wrong way. Next, the devil transports him um, to a very high place um, on the mountains, or you can interpret as he even puts him in a kind of a spiritually high place where he could visually see all the kingdoms of the earth. Next, we shift to Luke, where we see how the devil gives his authority to those who serve him. The third temptation, the identity authority test, the political or power test. Luke 4, 5. The devil led him to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I will give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. It's utterly amazing uh, at the quotation here. The devil said that I will give you authority and splendor if you worship me. This is how the devil operates. The the mountains represent those who co-reigned with him on earth, maybe even the mountains of society. It's a wicked pyramid at the top. If people bow their knee in their business or their political careers, they will rise quickly. They will because they serve a higher power. It's not God, uh, but they serve a higher power who often reigns at the top of inner circles or dark hidden circles. Isn't it true? One compromise leads to another. British politician Lord Acton is given credit with this unreal quote, Power corrupts, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Isn't it true? Human power corrupts. Few in world history and have been able to manage it with the character of Christ. His response to the devil was from none other than the book of Deuteronomy. This time Deuteronomy 6.13. Matthew 4, 10, Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Again, he makes this look so easy. He knows if he defeats the devil, all authority is his. But unknown to the devil, he plans to receive back the authority on earth and then shockingly give it back to his church.
Even greater note is Jesus's perspective. Why on earth or heaven on earth would Jesus care a rip about this temptation? In his mind's eyes, probably could see the new Jerusalem. The kingdoms of this world are nothing compared to it. Even heaven itself is is superb. Is it's glowing? It's majestic. It's it's way above all principalities and authorities. So what is this world, right? Uh, but even further, Revelation twenty one twenty two. I did I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the lamp is its lamp. And the lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful. But only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Matthew 4:11. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. I imagine Michael and Gabriel and other angels were there to nurse Jesus back to physical health. The first round goes to Jesus. Jesus, the second Adam, will face the devil again and again over the next three years. The devil will lose ground every single day as thousands follow Jesus through his teaching and miracle-working power. All right, to end this episode of Message to Kings, um, I've studied this account, I don't know how many, five, six times or more. Um, each time I've been fascinated, it's, you, you, you study your enemy, right? Um, you, you never focus on your enemy, you focus on Jesus. Um, but if anyone is going to play sports, pick a basketball team, right? You, you know your enemy. You, sorry, I'm going to say it the other way. But you know the other team and their players and how good they are, uh, what their weaknesses are and their positive and strengths. And you don't want to fall for their trick plays, right? You don't want to fall for um, all of their, you know, you know. Uh, maybe they have this incredible point guard. You always double team him, or you watch it, and you don't let uh, you know their other great players um, take advantage of your weaknesses. So you you understand, and that's why you study um, your enemy. He's never your focus. Is Peter stared at Jesus? He walked on water. When Peter did not focus on Jesus, he saw the wind and the waves and the fear and the and the anxiety took over him, and he started to fall in the water right? But you still must understand your enemy. And I've always been fascinated in the, the temptation, and it seems like every time I study it, I get something new. And this time, wow, I, I can't believe how sneaky the devil is here. Obviously, he, he would have never been able to trick Jesus. Jesus is way ahead of the game. He knows everything. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. You know, there's no chance with Jesus. Uh, but he does it every day with people. The devil tempts people, and they agree with it every day throughout the earth. The devil's attack was actually focused, and this is what I what I kind of came up with this time, was that the devil's attack was focused on the father aspects of Jesus' upbringing. Check this out. The father's role is provision, protection, and identity. Provision was the temptation of the bread. Protection was the temptation at the temple with the twisted Psalm 91 temptation, and the identity was the temptation of the glory on the mountaintops. So the devil used his tried and true method of attacking humans and their weakness 
almost you can almost call it psychological where their weaknesses are in their upbringing uh, where their weaknesses are um, in their psyche where their weaknesses are um, you know in the way they were raised and the way they learn things and even false theologies right but if one's father didn't provide for them people generally struggle with stealing or cutting corners in provision lack of protection can lead to control issues. And identity, well, if we don't know who we are, we're easily swayed by the next thing, like Peter was before he met Jesus, a reed blowing in the wind. So the devil went after Jesus, assuming he had him. Why not? Jesus had lost his father, which is what we covered in a previous episode. He would have had father issues like every other human in history who had lost a father, right? Jesus was ready because his heavenly father was one with him, and he understood him, and there was no voids or father issues or issues with protection, provision, and identity. Instead, it was quick and embarrassing for the devil. The attacks of provision, protection, and identity went nowhere with Jesus. He knew his father, and he knew his word. And he knew Deuteronomy. I think we all need to fresh up on Deuteronomy and make sure we know our Father God more. Not for another three years would the devil have this direct opportunity. And three years later, the devil would be so pent up with rage that he would no longer try to tempt Jesus. He must have figured Jesus was about to bring his kingdom to earth now, just like everyone else. Better to do away with him than put up with the God of the universe on his planet. But instead, he was going to fall right into the master plan of God's redemption for all mankind. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Message to Kings. If you haven't yet, make sure to rate the podcast or share it or like it on your listening platform, whether it's Amazon, Spotify, iTunes, or Google Play. Also, check out the updated Message to Kings website. Email us at messagetokings at gmail.com if you have any feedback or support the program with donations on the website or purchases from our associated store, Steadfast Gifts. Just know every purchase goes towards supporting the podcast and future creative works for the kingdom. Thanks, everyone. Talk to you soon.